want to avoid that hellish feeling that you feel whenever you're in the underworld for a period of time and your skin dries up? Well, worry no more, because today's episode is brought to you by Romer Skin Care. Based out of Chicago, Romer launched a work-from-home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs with three easy-to-follow steps. Why should you check them out? Well, simple ingredients and effective results for one thing. A perfect upgrade if you're washing your face with a bar of soap or that drugstore face wash. Right now, Romer Skin Care is offering our listeners 15% off and a gift with your first purchase by using the code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, RomerSkinCare.com. Impress your partner and get happy skin. Far happier than the skin we have down here. I'm telling you, this heat does nothing for me. I have been asked to make the following nonpartisan statement before we start the show. <clears throat> the following episode of Telehell is largely politically based in subject matter, but we are not the type of show that makes political statements unless we absolutely feel that it's necessary to do. As such, this program cannot, will not, and should not be making any endorsements of any kind for President of the United States or any other elected office, either on a national, state, or local level. We are only here to talk about television, and this particular subject happens to focus heavily on politics. Furthermore, we're aware that the internet can be a gray, grim, hopeless death march full of comments that do nothing but stir the shit in an unnecessary way, no matter what side of the aisle you may fall on politically. While we do welcome civil conversation involving any subject on our social media feeds, we already have it set so that hateful rhetoric will be filtered out. This show is largely for entertainment and informational purposes only. We can only hope that those who are listening to this are entertained and informed. And if not, you won't be hurting our feelings if you jump to something else. Further, furthermore, since we are not a political podcast by any means, the opinions that we do share on the subject matter are highly uneducated. If you want to hear shows that offer meaningful contributions to the discourse, I suggest Pod Save America if you're on the left, Red Pilled America if you favor the right, or Alex Jones if you want to hit yourself in the head with a hammer without using a hammer. Thank you. Oh, and P.S. Don't forget to vote on November 3rd. Trust me, it's a lot more important than you think it is. And now, just because you didn't drink all of your milk, this is Tele-Hell. Every four years, America has a decision to make. Stay the course on a well-worn, sometimes pothole, sinkhole, or black hole-filled path, or diverge to another one in the hopes that conditions will improve. Every four years, America comes to grips with the decisions that they make that would set everybody else down that path of unknown. Every four years, those decisions are broadcast not just for our country, but for the world to see. For it is America that, for better or worse, remains one of the world's biggest superpower nations. And whoever runs the country for the next four years has a lot of work cut out for him. Or her, if you happen to listen to this years in the future. It's only a matter of time. The elections for President of the United States can be described with varying levels of synonyms. It's exciting. It's boring. It's captivating. It's arduous. Above all else, it makes for great TV in years when the race is close, but also a reason to change the channel if somebody wins in a landslide. In terms of the election that happened 20 years ago, it might be a permanent case for the former. It was the election that did not decide the presidency and became the biggest media debacle since 
Dewey defeats Truman. While we contend at the outset the 2000 election was indeed great TV, one has to wonder how we wound up in the middle of a never-ending election. Who would truly be at fault for making us wait a month and a half to find out who won? While it seemed on the surface that the legal system was to blame, television lit the fuse that would ultimately cause their news department's feet to burn on the fire of Telehell. All elections begin somewhere. And in the case of this and 99% of the other ones since the dawn of time, the road to 2000 began with the primaries. With Bill Clinton on his way out that year, that meant the field for candidates would be bigger than usual, with both the Republicans and the Democrats vying for nomination. Or at least that's how it seems in this day and age when the number of candidates that run could fill up a phone book. Back in 2000, however, the field was limited to only five people on both sides. On the Republican side, you had Arizona Senator John McCain, Texas Governor George W. Bush, and former Secretary of State from Maryland and part-time Marvin the Martian voice double, Alan Keyes. Lawyers are people in our country who are often paid money in order to figure out ways to get around what the law requires. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. You can't prove to me that they're not the same person. Despite McCain's early victories in New England, Michigan, and his home state of Arizona, the primaries would eventually be Bush's to win. Meanwhile, the Democrats had fewer candidates to field, considering that Clinton's vice president, Al Gore, wound up getting nominated anyway. But for shits and giggles, former New Jersey senator and New York Nick Bill Bradley ran against him anyway. To borrow a basketball term, Gore won the nomination in a layup. There were also third-party candidates that were in the running. But as history's shown us, what difference would they make? He says sarcastically. But I digress. Now that the nominees were decided, all that was left were the negative ads. Under Clinton Gore, prescription drug prices have skyrocketed and nothing's been done. The conventions. This nation is daring and decent and ready for change. The debates. But it's important to have credibility, and credibility is formed by being strong with your friends and resolute in your determination. And the inevitable SNL parodies of each. Strategery. <laughs> Lockbox. Of course, none of those reasons are why we're here today. While there is a fine line between politics and television, it's television that matters the most here. And when it comes to the election of a president, the television network's news departments treat the event bigger than anything else. And when it comes to how exactly the news organizations come to their eventual conclusions, one key player has to factor in this story. That said, let me introduce you to something called the Voter News Service. The Voter News Service, or VNS for short, is an exit polling collective that was established in 1990 by both the major political parties and six news gathering organizations, which at the time included ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CNN, and the Associated Press. 
Its purpose, to provide independent results for elections so that individual organizations and networks would not have to take part in exit polling and vote tallying. In other words, they were the organization that was chiefly responsible for keeping track of all the counted votes after various precincts finalized the results. But perhaps more importantly, the VNS's other purpose was to give news organizations the ability to report the results faster than anybody else. Keep all of that information in the back of your head for a second, because in a moment you're going to see just exactly how well that reporting turned out on one fateful evening. Meanwhile, the TV networks were gearing up for their quadrennial coverage. All the major broadcast and cable news organizations were raring to go. But perhaps none was more eager to jump into the ring than NBC News, whose political coverage of that era was led by one of the deans of political news coverage, the late Tim Russert, who just a few days earlier made this bold and somewhat prophetic statement. Florida, Florida, Florida. I honestly believe as goes Florida, we'll go the nation. In a 2003 interview for the book Stay Tuned, Television's Unforgettable Moments, Russert himself reflected on making such a prediction. And I said that because I thought the state of Florida had changed significantly over the last uh, several presidential election cycles. It had voted Democratic, then it switched to Republican. And now I thought the, the changing demographics in the state were almost a microcosm of the rest of the country. At that time, Russert had no idea how right he would be. But then again, neither did the rest of the country. As people went to the polls on Election Day 2000, most of the country still had no idea who they wanted to take the job. Unless, of course, they lived in a solid blue or solid red state. In 2000, the states that were considered the biggest toss-ups that day were your usual gang of land masses. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, even Al Gore's home state of Tennessee was on the line. But of the swing states, Florida was the biggest of the bunch that was up for grabs. 25 electoral votes. Nevertheless, the country would go on to perform its perennial civic duty, and the results of that duty would be revealed in a marathon onslaught of primetime news coverage. Coverage that will try our absolute damnedest to condense for you. After the break. <laughs> If you think superheroes like me can fight all your battles for you, think again. Voting for your local, state, and federal representative lets you choose who's on your side in all the issues we face today. The little ones to the really big ones, too. But before you can vote, you need to register. So do it now. For registration forms or information on how to register, visit your local participating video store. Have a voice in your future. Register. And vote. And tell them Spider-Man sent you. Telehell is proud to partner up with Dave's Archives. Dave's Archives is the premier spot on YouTube where you can get your vintage TV fix, including old commercials and original shows covering classic TV and other TV-related pop culture. Here's just a small taste of what they have in store for you. check out the rest of it go to youtube and type in dave's archives or you can visit them on facebook again search dave's archives and now back to my punishment for the week november 6th 
Meet the Parents fully established Robert De Niro as a comedy star. Napster allowed people to download music for free and crippled the music industry at the same time. And at 7 p.m., 6 p.m. Central, the fate of the nation rested in the hands of news anchors and their trusted polling service. For the purposes of keeping things simple, as well as the fact that each news organization reported things in slightly different ways, we're going to be focusing on NBC's coverage of the election that evening. Only if we need a little more context will we be using clips from other networks. We may not be able to get every last detail, but then again, neither did they this night. Stay with us, we're about to take you on an exciting and bumpy ride. At the stroke of 7 p.m., polls in the states of Georgia, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Vermont, Virginia, and yes, Florida, were set to close. However, long before the problems that happened happened, we were reminded that a sliver of the Florida panhandle was actually based in the central time zone, meaning that the state wouldn't actually start giving their results until after 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If only that was the only problem Florida faced that evening. In the meantime, the other states went predictably for their respective candidates, Bush winning four out of six of the states, Gore only getting Vermont, and Florida yet to be called. 7.30 Eastern Time. The states of Kentucky, North Carolina, Ohio, and West Virginia close. Each of those states eventually going to Bush, Gore still with Vermont. All was a combination of quiet and tense. When shortly before 8 p.m. Eastern, the first domino started to fall. We're going to uh, now project an important win for Vice President Al Gore. NBC News projects that he wins the 25 electoral votes in the state of Florida. It turns out that Governor Jeb Bush was not his brother's keeper. The family had been joking, and seriously, that it could be a cold Thanksgiving. And were this any other world, the results would have stuck. And for a few hours, they did. 8 p.m. Eastern passes. More states close. And the margin suddenly becomes neck and neck. Big call, Tim. Pennsylvania goes to Vice President Al Gore. That makes it fair to say all the more difficult for Governor Bush to put together a winning coalition here tonight. Uh, we're about to call the state of Ohio, and in fact, we're going to put that in the column for George W. Bush, the governor from Texas. So that's, again, a matter of some relief to those people in Austin and certainly to the governor. And that makes this race even tighter, Tim Russert. Now all eyes on Wisconsin and Missouri, which he needs those desperately, George W. Bush. 9 p.m. passes. Even more states close, including a few big ones. All was going as normal as a presidential election could go. But then, at approximately 10 p.m. Eastern, the shit hit the fan. The Bush campaign is now contesting the projected victory for Al Gore in the state of Florida. We have color that blue for Al Gore. If Florida is being contested and that gets hit back in play, we shake up the map all over again. And just like that, the odometer reversed for Gore while Bush picked up more states in the process. What the networks give us, the networks take us away. NBC News is now taking Florida out of Vice President Gore's column and putting it back in the too-close-to-call column. Now, that has been the position of uh, Governor Bush throughout the evening and his chief strategist, Carl Rove, to say nothing of his brother, Jeb Bush, who is the governor of the state of Florida. We're told that just a few moments ago that Jeb Bush told his dad, former President Bush, that we won't know about Florida 
Florida until at least midnight, between midnight and 1 a.m. Time marched on as the states in the West made their declarations by 11 p.m. Eastern Time. We think Alaska is going to solidly go for Bush. Right. California, Hawaii, another 58 for Gore. So you add that on to Mr. Gore, uh, he gets to uh, 181 plus 50, would be 231 electoral votes. He's just uh, 39 away. Uh, and Mr. Bush now is just 53 away. With all of the states and their polls closed, the tally at the midnight hour was tight. Despite Gore being ahead in the popular vote nationwide, it was the electoral vote that mattered. Just after midnight, the announcement seemed official. George Bush is the president-elect of the United States. He has won the state of Florida, according to our projections. 25 electoral votes. NBC News projects that George Bush, it's been a night of first giving it to Al Gore, then taking it away on the part of the networks. George Walker Bush, the new president of the United States, the governor of Texas. Until suddenly... It wasn't. All right, we're officially saying that Florida is too close to call because of a recall. Uh, campaign and voter uh, counters are being called back to work to count uh, absentee ballots. Will that be going on throughout the evening, so far as we know? Yes, it will be happening uh, even as we speak. They're being called back tonight. So we take Florida away from um, George W. Bush. That means he is short of the 270 electoral votes that he needs to win. And that was how things stood the morning after. A United States presidency being too close to call. I think I indicated earlier we don't just have egg in our face. We've got omelet all over our suits uh, at this point and on our face and everywhere else. Because we awarded Florida erroneously at one point, came back and managed to make everything equal by awarding it erroneously a second time. If you just stayed with these simple boards, you wouldn't have those problems. Those high fluting computers, Tom, this is the answer. And of course, we all know the rest of the story. Florida keeps going back and forth over the next 26 days with one recount after another. The question of ballot validity is made when it was revealed that some of the votes cast were through outdated means. Plus, more recounting. While Broward was counting fast and furiously, Miami-Dade was plain old infuriating. The Times wonders what possibly could have been more important than electing the President of the United States. More court orders. Gore officially contested the results in Palm Beach, Dade, and Nassau counties. His lawyers then officially asked a judge to declare Gore the winner based on, quote, the true and accurate results. Still more recounting. Bottom line, the justices ordered a recount of all the undervotes, not only in Dade and Palm Beach counties, but throughout the state. They ordered the counting started immediately. Still more court orders. The court also ordered 215 votes from Palm Beach and 168 from Dade added to Gore's total, reducing Bush's lead to just 154 votes. Until ultimately, the United States Supreme Court decided on December 12, 2000, that all the county in Florida had to stop and the final totals should stand. George W. Bush won the presidency by a 0.0092% margin in the state of Florida, and Al Gore had no choice but to be gracious in defeat. While I strongly disagree with the court's decision, I accept it. I accept the finality of this outcome, which will be ratified next Monday in the Electoral College. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as a people and the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. But aside from what was going on in Florida, how did things derail faster than you can say Amtrak? How did the TV networks get things so spectacularly wrong enough that this wound up stretching out for a month? 
That's a question that can be answered without Tim Russert's whiteboard on our nine circles. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. Okay, bear with me here because this is going to be a long one. While it would be easy to blame the news organizations 100% for blowing their call, all they were really doing that night were being messengers. But they had to get their messages from someone. And for everyone involved, those messages came from the aforementioned Voter News Service. The same people who were supposed to come up with independent exit polling so that each of the networks could fairly and accurately make the right call, but ultimately didn't. Resulting in accidental yet still unnecessary treachery between all parties involved. And I don't mean the political ones. The blown calls by the BNS resulted in a presidential election's results being in limbo for 26 days. A limbo that eventually resolved, but ultimately resulted in wrath on a number of sides. The networks, the political campaigns, the state of Florida, various Supreme Courts, you name them, they were pissed over how this all turned out. And before you go nuts, we know this subject would be incomplete if we didn't at least mention the third party stole the vote theory, confusion over Florida's outdated butterfly ballots, or the various forms of hanging, dimpled, or pregnant chads that further confuse things over the next month, which we would comment more on, except, as a reminder, this is a show about television, not the inner workings of what's left of our democracy. For the purposes of this story, the VNS gets the lion's share of the blame. So much so that they would ultimately disband after the 2002 midterms. But that doesn't mean the TV news organizations get off the hook so easily. Because of their trusting natures, they just went with whatever VNS told them to go with, and without any further fact-checking. And in a competitive arena such as TV news, they're never too eager to break the story first, regardless of its accuracy or lack thereof. At the same time, let's also not forget that more often than not, a TV news department pulls in more ad revenue than some of the rest of the network's parts. Add the fact that this was November sweeps when all of this was happening, one of the peak times for gaining viewers and ad revenue. Not only that, but each of the network's desires not just to be first with information, right or wrong, but also hoping that their coverage would emerge victorious when reporting the news, ringing the bells for greed for obvious reasons, lust over the overly passionate race to see who would break the news first, and gluttony for wanting to take the information the VNS gave them without double and triple checking their facts first. Tom Brokaw once said, quote, What we have to do is put this in a coherent form for them at the end of the day, and on big events, give them the kind of context that they deserve. The events of Election Night 2000 was not only enough to discredit that quote, but it would do more than enough to damage the reputation of TV news for years to come. Try as they may to win us back from time to time, it's easier to forgive than it is to forget. The network TV news coverage of the 2000 election earned six out of nine circles of telehealth. While the election has long been placed in the history books, its impact will continue to last throughout the years, possibly within the next few weeks. But until then, there has never been a moment quite like this in both televised and political history. Perhaps the late Tim Russer can help us put things in perspective. For me, the most lasting memory of the election of 2000 was the final weekend leading up to the ultimate decision. And that was on a Friday afternoon. The Florida Supreme Court said, there's going to be a recount. Start counting. And Democrats and Republicans, Gore supporters, Bush supporters, fervent, passionate, angry, obeyed the court and began the recount. No matter how angry they were, the rule of law prevailed. 
part of me says, I hope we never go through another one. But there's still enough journalist in me that says, I'd love to do it again. (sighs) Tim, I wish you lived long enough to see what would happen over the next 20 years. Of course, if I were to be real with you for a second, which I am, so kill the fire, please. Thank you. Pretty much none of what we just covered would have mattered were it not for one key statistic. And amazingly, it has nothing to do with third parties acting as third wheels, or TV networks jumping the gun on their coverage. When all was said and done, a grand total of 51.2% of all registered and eligible voters in the country that day cast their votes in the 2000 election, meaning that 48.8% chose not to for whatever reason. To put things in perspective, 2016's election had a voter turnout of 60.7%, which may seem like an increase on the surface. But that still means that nearly half the country who are eligible voters decided not to vote for whatever reason, legal or otherwise. Chances are, if more people got out to vote instead of finding reasons not to vote, then the true will of the people would be made all the more concise. Which is why, even though I know my audience probably isn't that big enough to make an impact, and a number of podcasts have international audiences anyway, We're simply telling those of you who are listening to this right now, who live in the United States, to not only vote on November 3rd, but to tell people you know to vote too. We know how big the internet is. And we also know how big a community it can be when it comes to a number of causes. But to those of you who are listening, who are American citizens of the legal age which you can be allowed to do so, vote on November 3rd. As we stated at the top of the episode, we're not going to pick any sides in this election since we're not that kind of show. And we're inadequately qualified to cast opinions on either party or candidates. But the one thing I know for sure, even during a year when the overall concept of certainty has all but dove off a cliff, is that you still have a voice, you still have a choice, and you still have the right to exercise that choice. As of this recording, millions of you have already cast your vote in early. Which, considering statistics in years past, that number is already a triumph. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't vote just because millions of others already did. Even if it means it takes a while for the vote to be counted, or if it means standing in a long line, do it anyway. At the rate things have gone so far this year, it would not surprise me in the least if that were the case. But that's no excuse for you not to vote. Sure, you may have to wait in said long line in some places. Sure, you more than likely still have to wear a protective mask wherever you live because you're out in public. And sure, you may live in a part of the country that conveniently reduced its number of polling locations and mail sorting machines. But that's still no excuse not to vote. If you're in line when the polls close, don't leave the line. Your vote will be counted. Get as many of your friends and family to vote as you can. And if they refuse for some reason, no matter what side they're on politically, that's definitely no excuse for you, yes, you, not to vote. If anything, the value of your vote just increased a sliver because somebody else didn't want to do it. If you need rides to your local polling places, I know Uber and Lyft offer discounted rides there during the 2018 midterms, and hopefully they'll do the same again this year. But double-check first, and terms and conditions apply if they do. And if you're still not sure what your status is as a voter, 
visit vote.org to do a double check. Most importantly, if you are registered to vote and for some reason you're unable to, vote.org also has a guide to your voting rights and a toll-free number to their election protection hotline that you can call in case that happens. Oh, fine, I'll tell ya. It's 1-866-687-8683. Once again, that's 1-866-687-8683. In conclusion, we end this with a very simple reminder. If the person you want to win an election, whether it's local, state, or even 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, turns out not to win, and you didn't even bother to go out to vote for the very person that you claim to support... That's on you, and that's bigger than any sin that we cast here. You only have yourself to blame for not being able to make your voice be heard at either the ballot box or the mailbox. So if you think the next guy in charge is going to ruin everything for you, don't forget, you could have done something about it on election day. Think of voting as a bandage that needs to come off your arm. It may be irritating in some cases, but it's necessary, and you'll feel a lot better about yourself when you do. God, that hurts. Anyway, vote on November 3rd. You may not think the stakes may be high, but you know you wouldn't want to repeat what happened 20 years ago ever again. Especially if you already lived through an election like this several times already. stakes to make a world in which all of God's children can live or to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die. Once again, that's vote.org or call 1-866-687-8683 to check on your registration status. Once you do and you know that you can, vote on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. In other words... Vote, damn it! I'm the narrator of Telehell, and I approve this message. Next time on Telehell, given the choice between trick or treat... We'd rather take the treat instead of getting tricked. Say goodbye to your heart, because when it goes, and it will go, all the king's horses and all the king's men will never put Humpty together again. A special edition of Telehell dropping on Halloween night. Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. The archival footage of Tim Russert interviews comes courtesy of the book Stay Tuned, Television's Unforgettable Moments, edited by Joe Garner. You can find that book at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And now, here are the rest of the credits. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn.
Not unlike certain viruses, telehealth is everywhere now. In addition to Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, we can also be heard on Google Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we can also be heard in a number of other places just by Googling Telehell. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and follow our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcasts. 